Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode of the Hemlock Podcast. We are the fastest growing conservative podcast in Canada. Or if we're not, we're damn well going to be soon. So <laughs> super excited to have you listening to this episode, watching this episode, whatever you're doing. We got Chris Sky coming on. It's going to be a blast. Chris Sky is one of the leaders of what's been called in Canada the Freedom Movement and uh, has a massive following. So I super appreciate him taking the time to talk to us today. Um, he's delved into some controversy, which of course with legacy news outlets, anyone who's kind of pushing liberty and freedom and kind of is anywhere to the right of Justin Trudeau <laughs> is going to get a hard time from legacy news. So who knows how much of that controversy is real, fake, whatever. Uh, we're going to talk to him about that. We're going to talk to him about his heart for Canada and uh, and what he thinks we should be doing to maintain our liberties. whole bunch of stuff. Going to be an awesome episode. A couple quick things before we jump in with Chris. If you enjoy the Hemlock Podcast, please share it. That's the, one of the biggest things you can do is share this podcast with friends. We don't have a lot of people talking from uh, from, from our point of view um, in Canada. So the more people that are just exposed to it um, and eventually maybe come alongside to share our views, uh, the better. So <laughs> share like crazy. That helps support the podcast. Five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts. You guys warm my heart with your written reviews. I love reading those. So make sure to leave us five stars. Leave a written review. I love it. And of course... Hemlockpodcast.com is live now, right? So jump on there. We got our memberships live. We got merch. Um, memberships have a whole bunch of fun stuff. You can do ad-free episodes, exclusive content, mailbag questions where I answer your questions on the podcast. Um, we do live weekly hangouts. Those have been a ton of fun. Um, you even get some free merch with the annual all-access pass is uh, the based water bottle. So this thing's super fun and uh, has a great message on it so you can share that with your friends um that's pretty much it everybody so that being said we're gonna jump in with chris sky here we go chris sky thank you for being on appreciate you uh joining the podcast today man my pleasure i told you i would so i always do what i say i was a little <laughs> bit late i apologize but i had to get some things done and i had some people coming all the way from uh, calgary to meet me tonight oh right yeah uh, so i had some arrangements that kind of happened out of nowhere so i still made everything work no problem. Yeah, appreciate making it happen for sure. Definitely, definitely. So you said you're out in Saskatchewan right now. So you're still doing, uh, still touring around the country, yeah? Well, yeah, because we were just in Montreal uh, a couple of days ago. I don't know if you guys saw, but that was the biggest yeah. crowd of the anti-lockdowns uh, yet in all of Canada. It was at least yeah. 250,000 people. That wow. It was crazy. And everybody oh, was there to protest, obviously, against the vaccine passports. Mm -hmm. It's already law now in Quebec. And they're doing it for all what they're calling non-essential activities, which is basically everything. And now we have the government pushing to mandate the vaccine for federal workers, right. for healthcare workers, for teachers, and getting all the every single corporation to try to do the same. So basically what their plan is, is to try to hit us with a perfect storm and try to overwhelm us. Trudeau even just made a video a few hours ago saying there's going to be consequences for anybody who chooses not to take the vaccine. What a nice word. Mm -hmm. If you choose... <laughs> Not to do what I tell you. There's going to be consequences. Yeah. Does that yeah. sound like a choice? Not does really. That, does that sound like <laughs> something we should allow our, our supposed leader to be saying to Canadians? It was absolutely disgusting. Yeah. I've never been less proud to be a Canadian in my life after hearing that piece of garbage talk. And the worst part is, guess what? This is exactly what's going to happen. And everybody needs to know this because this is the most important reason why I was touring in the first place. Mm -hmm. Hey, Chris, one sec. Sorry, you just uh, the video is kind of cutting in and out here. Um, just make sure we want to make sure to hear everything you're saying. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to the Hemlock Podcast. As always, one of the ways you can support us is by supporting our sponsors and affiliates. So this week we have Good Food again. Good Food is one of my favorite things on this planet. They are a meal curation service. So I hate finding recipes. I hate shopping, <laughs> but I love cooking food and I love eating food. So this takes out all the parts of meal prep that I don't like, leaves me only the ones I like which is cooking food with my wife and then eating the delicious food. This week we have pan-seared pork chops lyonnaise with sautéed broccoli, caramelized onion, and mashed potatoes. We have chicken breasts and buttered turnip pilaf with horseradish cream and string beans. We have DIY Genoa salami and provolone naan pizzas with hot maple syrup drizzled hot. Dang, I'm pumped for this week, y'all. Um, follow the link in the description. Get 40 bucks. That's right, 40 bucks off your first box of good food delicious stuff showing up at your front doorstep get it in you much love okay that looks better it looks better we can see it okay uh yeah you know where you remember where you were yeah yes awesome cool let's hear it 
So the whole reason I was doing my tour prior to Montreal, because I did another uh, tour from West all the way back to basically from Vancouver up to Montreal, was to let everybody know what's going to happen in the fall and what's going to happen in the fall. First of all, I was the first one to tell everybody about the snap election. I said it in an interview on August 6th and August 7th, and people were like, giving me this weird look. And now all of a sudden it's all over everywhere. Like, oh, it's no big deal. Anyway, I said that. But before I even said that, I told everybody, this is what's going to happen in the fall. And we need to tell, especially the people that have been complying the entire time, because I've been saying the entire time, the only solution is united non-compliance to not comply on a mass scale. And all the right. people that are taking the jabs and wearing the mask are saying, oh, no, no, we're prolonging this. And the only way to get through this is to comply fully with the government. In reality, every time you comply with what the government tells you, they just move the goalposts and make a new agenda and just keep putting you towards more control for them and more tyranny for you. So what's happening in the fall? All the people that got told, take your double jab and everything will be fine. You got tricked. First of all, when you read the fine print, it tells you that your second jab only lasts for three months. You are only considered fully vaccinated from two weeks after your second shot and that only lasts for three months. So after your second right. shot, after three months, you're no longer vaccinated. Then you gotta wait. And if you wait the full three months, you're still you're not fully vaccinated for two weeks until your mm. booster shot kicks in. So you have to take a friggin' vaccine if you want to stay up to date on your vaccines according to the new guidelines that they just updated. It's every three months your vaccine becomes not uh, not fully vaccinated status anymore, and you need to wait two weeks from your last dose. So in order to stay up to date, you'll have to take a vaccine every two months and two weeks, basically, is what they're going to try to get to people. And I yeah. warn people about this. I warn people that they're trying to get you used to the multiple shots a year because if they can get you to take two or three shots a year, why can't they get you to take four or five? Of course yeah. they can. If you're stupid enough to take one and two, you're going to take three, four, and five. Mm -hmm. And if you're also dumb enough to believe that you were going to get out of this after taking the second shot, now we have people, all the people that took the second shot are like, oh, 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 I got to get my booster shot now for the fall. So they're already got them into the narrative that they're going to take a third shot before they get out of this. So are you really yeah. think you're going to get out of this? What's really going to happen is obviously the vaccine is what's making people sick. It's not COVID. It's the vaccine. The vaccine is dangerous. It's untested, unapproved, no clinical trials on humans no short or long-term safety or efficacy data. And, and some of them use mRNA technology that was never even designed for vaccines. It was originally designed for cancer treatment to be injected into tumors. And then all of a sudden they just transformed it into vaccine technology that they've never right. used. Okay, now when you, when, you say, when you say it's not the, it's not the, the COVID that's making people sick, it's the vaccines. Um, like how do you explain people getting sick? And I'm, I'm, I tend towards your side on this, believe me. I just want to press you on a couple different things. Um, when people were getting sick before the vaccines ever came out, what was making them sick if it's the vaccines making people sick? Obviously, they were calling everything COVID. What happened to the flu? There's right. not one case of the flu. Yeah. <laughs> that kills 750,000 people every year, just suddenly disappeared and not one person <laughs> died of flu. Then if you look at heart disease, cancer, even HIV, all of those causes of death were lower. And all of a sudden, all the causes of death became COVID. And for the first time in human history, they allowed nurses, not even doctors, nurses could now verify cause of death. And they didn't even an autopsy. They didn't even need a COVID test to claim it COVID. All they needed to do was look for symptoms. And COVID symptoms mimic virtually every other disease on planet Earth. So they could virtually call anybody who died mm. a COVID death. There's even instances of somebody dying in a motorcycle accident and being listed as a COVID death. Because yeah. anybody who had been tested in the last 28 days who then died, they would call COVID death. They mm. kept altering the reporting guidelines to virtually make so many things into COVID deaths. When you look at the actual COVID death charts, they will say something very strange. They will say deaths with COVID and right. they will have a little asterisk beside it. And what does that mean? That means COVID may or may not have been an associated cause of death. Right. Yet they still listen to it as a COVID death. They've never done that in human history. They yeah. only list the cause of death up until COVID existed. They've only listed as cause of death, the main cause of death. And that's not the with, that's the, that's the from. Mm -hmm. So if you died from heart attack, your death was listed as heart attack. If you died from heart attack, but you also had right. the flu, they would say from heart attack with flu, but they wouldn't call it a flu death. 
Meanwhile, if you died from heart attack with COVID, which they didn't even test you for, all of a sudden you're a COVID death. Yeah. So that's where all the so-called COVID deaths were coming from before. They were virtually calling everything a COVID death. And we even know now that the PCR test is illegal because they admitted, especially at the cycle count they were using it at, that virtually 90% of the supposed positives were anything. It could have been flu, could have been common cold, it could have been virtually any disease yeah. besides COVID. It could yeah. have even been you weren't sick, you had antibodies from a previous infection. So they're not even using the PCR test a lot as a reliable method in court anymore. So COVID has been a scam from day one. But now you're going to see people actually getting sick. Look at the Ontario ICU, Ontario, Canada, where I'm from. You know how many people are in there? There's a few. Guess how many of them are, are vaccinated? Every single one. There's not one person in the Ontario ICU in August that, has, that wasn't jabbed, at least with one. And the ones that are the sickest are the ones that are double jabbed. So that's one of the questions I have for you, Chris. Sorry, is when you say stuff like that, where um, I love to like, I love looking into numbers like that myself, and my audience does as well. Where do you find those kind of numbers? Um, what do you use for sources? How do how can I, how, like how can Canadians rely the on the Ontario news? Hospital Association, the OHA, okay. and yeah. they update the data. Before they had, they were showing all the COVID patients daily and weekly, and right. it was so easy to see how there was like literally one COVID patient average per hospital. So then they archived all those and tried to make it next to impossible to find. So you really mm. have to go on the website and get very familiar with it to do it. It's just like if you go on VAERS and try to work VAERS, it takes you like half hour to do a simple VAERS search. And this is not by right. accident. They do it on purpose. So they don't want you to know that thousands of people are dying from the vaccine millions of people are getting sick from the vaccine and having adverse reactions they don't even know about. Look mm. at Iceland. It's the most vaccinated country on, on the planet. Almost 100% of their adult population has at least one vaccine and they're having a massive outbreak. The majority of the people sick are the vaccinated right in the middle of summer. Right. Look at Singapore. Yeah. They admit 75% of their cases are from vaccinated. So what the hell is gonna happen here? Surprise, in the fall, they're gonna say cases are rising. There's a new variant that's resistant to the vaccine and that's why the vaccinated are getting sick. And here's the kicker. The new variant was created by the healthy unvaccinated. That's very important because it sets up the division between the unvaccinated and the vaccinated. It sets up the need to control the dangerous terroristic unvaccinated. So not only are they gonna put the mask back, not only are they gonna lock everybody down, now they're gonna use the vaccine passport, which they've already installed in Quebec, all over Canada with the excuse that the unvaccinated are creating these new variants, which yeah. is, is, is perpetuating the pandemic. It's not the shots that they keep giving people that are getting all the people sick. It's not the vaccinated that are sick that are getting other people sick. No, it's the healthy people that are getting everyone sick. Cause we yeah. live in upside down land where everything <laughs> the government says, regardless of how backwards and ridiculous, you have to believe it or you're a terrorist. Yeah, and where the healthy people are the problem. If you don't- Yeah, tow, the healthy people are the line. problem because the healthy yeah. people can't be controlled. Right. Yeah. So, okay. So that maybe, maybe it, that's leads into my next question is what do you think all this is? And I've heard you talk about this before, but I'd love to you, like for you to restate it for my audience is what do you think this is for? What's the point of giving people like an endless stream of booster shots? What's the point of dividing people wanting to get whether it's race or gender or vaccinated versus unvaccinated? Why do, why does it seem like governments and media perpetuating that kind of division uh, so often and enforce the these days? Do this? The average question you get from the completely ignorant person that can't think for themselves Gee, what is government like? Control, money, and power. But they're telling you this is all for your safety. Meanwhile, if you <laughs> examine what they're telling you is for your safety and see if it makes you more safe, it doesn't. And when you examine the same thing and see if it just gives them more power and control, it does. Here's a perfect example, because you're yeah. not very bright and can't think for yourself. So I'm gonna lay it out for you. They tell you you're safer and it's for your health and safety for you to come back from an airplane Wait in line with a whole bunch of people you've never from all different countries. Take a COVID test there, then get on a bus after you've taken the test. So now after you've taken the test, you're now exposed to dozens more people from all over the world to get on a COVID bus to be taken <laughs> to a COVID facility internment camp where you're exposed to even more people after you've already got tested. So your test is completely null and void. Yeah. And now you're supposed to pay a thousand dollars a night for your own 23 hour a day isolation which is solitary confinement mm -hmm. in a prison but you're paying for that and then once you get a negative covid test you can then go to your house and right. do the rest of your quarantine and that's makes you safer all that is safer <laughs> than you simply getting off the plane going to your car by yourself and going home by yourself 
Right. So everyone who likes to comply and everybody who thinks I'm crazy, are you safer getting off a plane, mingling with hundreds of people while you wait for your COVID test, then get a COVID test. And after you get your COVID test, mingle with dozens of more on a bus and then mingle with dozens more in a hotel before you get to go home. Or are you safer just going home by yourself? Yeah. Obviously totally. you're safer going home by yourself. But when no, you makes look at sense, yeah. a position of control and wanting power over you, it makes perfect sense when they don't want you to travel and that you decide to get vaccinated. What better way to get you to take the vaccine Absolutely. than to make your yeah. travel experience so traumatic, so <laughs> scary that you will never want to do it again and you will tell everybody else you didn't want them to do it. That was why. And if you notice, I, I, the only way out of this, I keep saying is united non-compliance, people yeah. not complying. Well, guess what? We have a perfect example. I made that airport video, right? Everybody saw it where I mm -hmm. came back and I showed everybody how to decline the test, decline the quarantine. It works like a charm. All they can do in worst case scenario is give you a fake fine that won't hold up in court. And I showed everybody that and I proved it. But guess what? When I did it myself, it didn't change anything. Mm -hmm. However, since then, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of Canadians have done it. So at first they just stopped giving out the fines because we already had overloaded the system. And then they got to the point where surprise, they had to cancel the hotel quarantine altogether. Why? Because Canadians united in non-compliance mm -hmm. and just said no. So they had no choice. You think they stopped it because they like you and they love you? No, <laughs> they stopped it because we forced them to. It's yeah. that simple. And here's another example yeah. of your safety versus healthy bullshit. Are you say you're safe to go to Walmart or the LCBO with a gazillion people? but you're not safe to go to the hair salon that's owned by the single mother and you're going to yeah. be the only other person in there. So you're mm -hmm. safe with 300 people at the LCBO because you know, your liquor is essential, but you can't go get a haircut <laughs> from the single mom who needs to feed her family because that's too dangerous. Yeah. So it's not about your, it's obviously about your safety. It's not about control, right? And then once you tell people it's about control and they realize the reality that it is about control and they realize they're being lied to and it's not about their safety. Now they're awake. Now they're aware. Now they're ready to act. That's what we call the different phases of United Noncompliance. Phase one was what I called the global awakening. 2020 was when we woke up the majority of the world by getting them through the idea that we just said it's not about your health and safety it's about control and once people understand that now they're awake now they're all looking at me and say so now we know what's going on what do we do so 2021 we turned it to taking action and how do we take action very simple we broke people down into protests into multiple groups the small business owners the concerned parents who didn't want their kids mastered distance at school the concerned employees who didn't want to be forcibly jabbed and then everybody else who just didn't have to want to wear a mask to go about their daily business. So I got the business owners in BC to form groups and they formed over 1800 businesses ready to open by May 24th. And that's why you guys got to open May 25th. I tried the same thing in Ontario, but it's full of pussies. And when they got to their opening date, they said, Oh, we'll just wait the, the two weeks, you know, after they'd already waited right. 52, two weeks, they were going to yeah. wait another two weeks. Yeah. Yeah, two weeks to slow the spread, right? Yeah. Ontarians will justify anything because they're the weakest, most pathetic losers on planet Earth. And I can say that because I lived here my whole life and I've been all over the world <laughs> to 40 countries and I've been all over Canada. Ontario still has well, I'm, I'm a BC masks. boy, yeah. I'm a BC Ontario boy, so that's that's music to my ears. Masks everywhere you go, brother. Really? If you walk into a yeah. restaurant, they'll look at you like you're a psycho if you don't want to wear a mask. Meanwhile, everywhere else in Canada, you don't have to wear them. Even Manitoba, they got rid of them finally. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. but in Ontario, you're still crazy. You're the only people in North America wearing the masks in Ontario, but everybody yeah. else is crazy and you're just really smart. No, you're just I'm sorry. It's pathetic. <laughs> yeah, but well, 2021 was about taking action. So we got those business owners right. to band together and say they're not going to close. We got... Uh, uh, concerned parents to go to the school boards and and bash them about the mass and the distancing to prevent that from happening. We had a bunch of people go mass free shopping at stores that were vehemently anti mask and got them to change their policy. So we were seeing things on the ground. Now we have this vax pass and these mandates coming. And that's the most popular question I'm getting every single day by a gazillion people. Oh my God, what do we do to fight this? It's very simple. You just say no to the vaccine passport. If you have an actual one, you burn it. If you have one on your phone, you delete it. If you have an appointment coming up for a vaccine, you don't go. If they try to mandate it at your job or your school, et cetera, you go on strike. Teachers, students, 
doctors, lawyers, police officers, nurses, everybody. Go on strike. How hard is it? You teachers will go on strike if they try to take away an hour of your free time during the summer. But you won't go on strike to protect yourselves and your students and the rest of the humanity. Give yeah. me a freaking break. That's all you got to do. It's that simple. It's called united non-compliance. And once you take action, once you free yourselves, because I'm so sick of hearing everybody say, oh, we're going to vote for Maxime Bernier and he's going to solve everything. Or we're going to vote for Andrew Shear and he's going to solve everything. Wake up, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. First of all, Andrew Shear isn't even going to win and he has the best chance. But even if he did, do you think he's going to change anything? You know, Tulia. Yeah. Ontario, the conservative province, Doug mm -hmm. Ford's slogan, open for business, the most locked down <laughs> place in all of the world, pretty much. Right. Does that sound like they're yeah. going to release you if you vote for them? No, it'll be the exact same thing. Then we have the people that want to vote for Maxime Bernier because he rebranded himself as this freedom fighter after spending 15 years in the Conservative Party and only became a freedom fighter after you failed to gain leadership of the Conservative Party with a globalist history that's longer than eh, you can imagine. George Soros ties. Yeah, okay. Ties, Chris, yeah, so I wanted to talk about that because actually I had Max on last week actually. Um, I had released the episode probably this week. Um, so I personally, I like a lot of what he talks about, but I've heard you, I mean, you guys, you just released a video, I think on your Telegram channel actually about, uh, a run in you had with him. Was that in Montreal? Yes, it was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's, um, he's very opportunist. Like all these politicians. You think so? He tries to pretend like he was there at the start of the freedom movement. No, you weren't. I was there at the start of the freedom movement. Vlad was there at the start of the freedom movement. A lot of other people were there at the start of the freedom movement. No politician was there at the start of the freedom movement. Every politician stayed away from it with a 10 foot, wouldn't touch it with a 10 foot <laughs> pole uh, until it started becoming popular to the point where they decided they could get money and power from it. So give me a friggin' break. And he, first of all, I'm gonna talk a little bit about Maxime. Where did he come from? He was in the conservative party for almost 20 years. In 2005, he was the head of the sustainable development committee for Stephen Harper. And even after the program was defunded in 2006, he took it upon himself to work with George Soros and the Tides Foundation. And their primary objective was to try to find ways to use government policy to implement sustainable development policies uh, on the Canadian citizens without us being able to even talk about it or even know about it because they're doing it through the back door. That was, his, that was his task. And he wasn't even being paid. It wasn't even funded by our government. Then in 2008, Mr. I'm not a globalist was our foreign affairs minister who gave 550 million of our tax dollars to Haiti, the same Haiti that took 500 million from the Red Cross and used it to build eight or nine houses, they said. And guess what? His daddy was the ambassador to Haiti for almost 10 years up until 2001. So I wonder if that was a crony kickback maneuver that we see all the time in politics. Right. But no, he's just not like any other politician. Then in 2010, he tried to get us a seat on the UN Security Council and was on the record saying that our integration with the UN is integral for Canada's future. This is a supposed non-globalist freedom fighter trying to get us in with the UN. And then the only reason he's not our, uh, he wasn't our Minister of Foreign Affairs anymore is because he lost his job. And how did he do that? I tried to get him to explain it in person. And what did he do? He put his head down. First of all, he tried to steal the megaphone from me because I grabbed the megaphone and I started calling him out. Uh, and he tried to steal it from me. And when he realized that's not going to work out too well for him, he just put his head down and ran away when I brought this up. What did he do to lose his job as foreign affairs minister? He left classified documents at his girlfriend's house after a booty call at her condo. And after he left it there, he called her back and tried to get her to break the law and give them to him. But she didn't want to break the law. So instead, she just turned them into his superiors. So to avoid prosecution, he was forced to resign from that position. Then he seeked the leadership of the Conservative Party because he's so non-globalist. He wanted the party that's been working with George Soros and the UN and everyone else. And the only reason he's not there right now is because like every other thing he tries to do, he failed miserably. But he used that popularity he gained to become the leader of a much smaller, lesser known party called the PPC. And then when he saw a real legitimate, genuine movement in the freedom movement, he did what all politicians do. They find something people truly care about. They pretend to care about it too. And they start telling those people what they want to hear to gain their support, gain their money and gain their vote. And I think he's more dangerous than Trudeau, to be honest, because right now everybody understands what Trudeau is about. Our freedom movement only exists because of what Trudeau's policies have created. Right. So I don't need to bash Trudeau. We're living in Trudeau's dystopia. 
Meanwhile, Bernier is no different, but he pretends like he's going to save everybody. And that's a problem because we have all these people ready to take action for themselves. And the one thing that can stop them from doing that is a politician coming up and saying, don't worry, guys, you don't have to do anything. You just have to give me your money and your vote. You can sit back down on your couch and I'll save you. I'll fix everything. And Canadians are so passive, so apathetic, so weak and cowardly. They will look for any rationalization, any way to absolve themselves of responsibility. So him coming forward like that nullifies a large number of our patriots that right. were ready to act. Now sit back on the couch and wait for Bernier. That's why I love this snap election. And that's why I'm telling everybody to go vote for Bernier so they can see how pathetic his. First of all, he's got a one in a billion chance of winning. He'll never win. He won't even win his own seat. Even if I gave him all the support in the world and I found him another $10 million, he would still never even get his own seat because nobody likes him. He's not likable. He's fake. He's phony. And people can see right through him. And he's a wuss. He's a wuss. He actually sells masks right now. There's a website called Redbubble. And you can verify this. Fact check me. They sell licensed PPC face masks, multiple designs where he or where Bernier had to give them the, the license and the logo and everything. And they try to put on the website that they're not affiliated with the PPC party. But then they have to actually put a disclaimer on the website that admits the profits of the face mask go directly to Maxime Bernier. So this supposed freedom fighter that's going to free everybody from mass mandates and all the rest of them is funding his campaign by selling you masks while, have, while trying to shit on me for writing a book that when people read it, wakes them up. When people read it, gives them knowledge, inspiration, and courage, and, and uh, a book that is actually designed to end this pandemic. Well, he's selling the very symbol that perpetuates it. It's friggin', it couldn't be any more poetic than that. And then I had the audacity to show up in Montreal. I was promoting that like crazy. I promoted May 1st like crazy for over a month. And that's why we got a couple hundred thousand people there. And I promoted this one like crazy. I was even threatening people on video that they better show up. And he shows up and he tries to run to the front of the pack of the, of the thing with his little PPC banner to try to make it look like it's a PPC rally. And that's why I went there to call him out. And I said, excuse me, this is not a PPC event. This is not a PPC rally. This is not a political rally. This is a freedom rally for the people, period. And there's right. no such thing as a political freedom movement. There's a freedom movement and there's a political campaign. Okay, so Chris, I, I, I got to ask you about this because this is something I've been wrestling with. I, I like, I love your your statement of united non-compliance. I love the, the heart behind that. I think individuals have to free themselves and we have to seize liberty for ourselves as individuals and for families. Families are like the 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 first political unit, right? So it's kind of exactly, the and that's fight, why. Right? That's why it's that's why none of these politicians want me to talk because United Noncompliance is not a political solution. It's right. a solution that costs nothing. It's nonviolent. It can be employed by every man, woman, and child. And if, right. a, if a lot of people do it, it has a hundred percent success rate. And they don't like that because it mm. renders them irrelevant. Totally, they give the power totally. back to the people. That and being I even said, invited, though, yeah. and I even invited Maxime Bernier to come up on stage with me during my speech and say, if you're really for the people, come stand beside me and endorse United Noncompliance. And he will not do that. Mm. And in fact, they will try to tell everybody not to talk to me, tell everybody I'm divisive, I'm dividing the movement. Nothing divides right. the movement more than politics. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. I hear you. But where does that leave Canadians in, like, we exist in a nation that has the political system that it does. So where does that leave us? Like, who do we vote for, according to you? And like, what, what is the solution is, with our political system, like the political reality we have? Don't trust, don't trust anybody that pretends they're going to be your savior. If I was going around telling everybody I'm their savior, I'm their messiah, mm -hmm. you could just shoot me right now. I go around telling everybody <laughs> the truth. I can't save you. I can lead by example. Yeah. I can give you the knowledge, courage, and inspiration and tools you need to save yourselves. Mm -hmm. But it's going to take all of us working together, just like it took all of us working together to get them to rescind the hotel quarantine. It's the same exact thing. But no politician is going to tell you that. Every politician is going to pretend like they're your messiah. And yeah. they do that on purpose. That's how they keep you under control. It's that simple. When you're allowing other people to make your decisions for you, look where it gets you. You don't get the result you want. You get the result they want. But that's for the thing you. is, if we don't, if we don't seek, like let's say we don't, there's a bunch of us that don't vote, right? Because of because maybe some of the stuff you're saying, right? Doesn't that default the position to those who want it's all the, the control? The opposite. This is just okay. like the same argument of the people that say, "Oh, you need to comply to get through this." No, you voting when they give you four people to vote for, and every single one of them is the equivalent of a piece of shit. <laughs> And you're going through and analyzing which piece of shit you should vote for, which one's the least, which one's the least smelly, which one's the least disgusting looking. 
Does it really matter? You're still voting for shit. Poo -poo. How about you have some balls? You stand up for yourself and say, I don't eat shit. Poo -poo. Right. That's why the largest demographic of Canadians right now is the non-voter. There's more Canadians that don't vote that vote for all the political parties put together. And it's because the majority of Canadians will not just eat a pile of shit because you only gave them shit to choose from. But that, doesn't say, that, sorry, I'm that, not going to eat that shit. Totally. And my solution, totally. my solution renders whoever they select irrelevant. If they put a new guy in power that does the exact same thing as Trudeau, if we employ United Noncompliance, what's he going to do? Absolutely nothing. So the whole point is, phase one of United Noncompliance was to wake everybody up. Phase two is to get them to take action in civil disobedience against the government and these draconian measures that are not in their best interest. Once they do that, once they've taken action and they've taken their freedoms back, because you cannot vote your freedom back. Let me say that again. You cannot vote your freedom back or name one other time in human history where people living under tyranny voted their freedom back. Sure. Well, I mean, you could give the example of what, ha what happened in the U.S., like where they had they had a guy like Obama in who was like creating a regulatory state and bloating government incredibly. Um, and then a guy like Trump got voted in who did a lot of bloating but himself, okay. but he cut he a lot of regulation, tax country, cuts, that kind of thing. He didn't yeah. steal the freedoms like we have now. Right. That's the vaccine but isn't that voting... Isn't that voting incrementally towards a more free state? Agreed. They were voting more incrementally towards a free state. But now we're in a situation where they've nullified all of our rights and freedoms in a I single year and a half. Yeah. So we lost them all. And now they're trying to implement the vaccine passport because that nullifies our rights and freedoms forever and now turns them into government-granted privileges predicated on taking an inoculation. And you're right. not going to be able to vote your way out of that. You're going to have to stand up for yourselves beforehand, fix the problem, and then you can vote somebody into power who will take us to phase three of United Noncompliance, my favorite. You know what that is? What's that, Chris? Holding these people accountable. Okay, what does that mean? It means that we're going to, first of all, next week, I'm subpoenaing Eileen Villa in Ontario, the head of public health. In my Interesting, court. okay. Pat King tried to do it in Alberta to Dina Hinshaw, and it would have worked, except he was doing it himself. He wasn't even using a lawyer. And they, they hit him with a procedural error saying that he had waited too long to try to do it. That was the way they squiggled out of it. They held a special prosecution session. I was there in Red Deer, Alberta, where they convened and they brought in representatives from the attorney general's office in Alberta and the attorney general's office of uh, Ottawa because that's how worried they were about how this case would go. Because they admitted on the stand, the judge admitted on the stand, that Dina Hinshaw did not have the evidence that we were requesting. Because all of these laws in every, pro every, every province have the head of that province's public health on them. You have Bonnie Henry, we got Eileen Davila, he had Dina Hinshaw. And it basically says that they're signing off, that they have all the scientific evidence that justifies the need for these laws. Right. So Pat said, okay, you have all the scientific evidence to justify these laws, bring it in. <laughs> and so they went to court and they admitted she did not have the evidence that they requested, but then they found a way to prevent her from having to bring it in. They said he had to uh, file the subpoena before the trial had begun. Because the trial had already begun, they wouldn't, they wouldn't allow him to file the subpoena legally. Right. So they found him guilty and he appealed. However, I have a trial coming up and it hasn't started yet. So I'm at the exact point where it's legal and proper for me to file this subpoena. So my lawyer is working directly with the man, Doug Force, who wrote the original subpoena. They rewrote it for Eileen Davila, and she's getting subpoenaed. And when she can't bring the evidence and she's going to have to come to court, I'm very curious to see how they handle it. Because yeah, then once, once we prove that they don't have the evidence mm -hmm. that to justify all these laws, the next step is proving that they can't even prove the virus exists. Why are they injecting people with a vaccine where they know the vaccine is going to kill some people, especially children, where the virus kills virtually no children, yet the vaccines were killing children, maiming children, etc. And when we can show that they knew that there was really no threat and they brought these vaccines out that they knew were going to harm people, that is called criminal malfeasance. And the drug companies, the government are not immune from prosecution for criminal liability. And that's where this is going to head. And that's phase three of United Noncompliance, holding these people accountable, making examples of them. Then you put somebody in power you can trust that will not only make sure this will never happen again, draft laws that will safeguard our rights and freedoms. Our charter of rights is like a, a piece of toilet paper to our government.
the Constitution is more respected <laughs> yeah, no, than the United States. Let's yeah, be honest. Citizens in Canada don't wield the Constitution or a charter like they do in the States. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That's my that's what I was getting at. I wasn't trying to I wasn't trying to shit on our charter, but it's the truth. They can literally null they they pretend like they can nullify it whenever they want. So what is that? Are they charter of rights and freedoms or a charter of government granted privileges that are irrevocable irre whenever yeah. they decide? Talk about that for sure. Our, our rights do not come from government. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's the entire point. And now yeah. they're trying to say not only do they come from government, they're predicated on you taking an injection whenever they tell you. <laughs> yeah. And then now they're, and yeah. they're combining that with locking you down and closing your business and calling you a criminal if you're trying to feed mm -hmm. your family. So yeah. what do you do? What, what do you, you're going to just keep complying? When they've taken away your rights sure. and freedoms, they're injecting you with a toxin that's going to make you sick or even kill you. And now they're eliminating your chance to feed yourself and they're eliminating your chance to provide for your family mm -hmm. and they're eliminating your chance to make a future for your family. And you're just right. supposed to sit there and wait for them because they keep telling you. Totally. To. No, I completely agree with you. I guess, Chris, and this is what I love, because I love everything you're saying about holding these people accountable. If it comes out, obviously, that they had no no proper basis to institute these lockdowns, these mask mandates, yada, yada, et cetera, right? Murdering small businesses across the board. If that all comes out and, and it finds out there's no evidence for it, then yeah, we should absolutely hold them accountable. What I'm worried about is if we're not wielding political power, right? Um, you see people, you see politicians weasel out of criminal charges all the time, right? So how do we, how do we actually accomplish holding these people accountable if we don't wield political power, if we're not voting for someone we like to get into into the system. I told you step step one, well, step one was awakening. Step two is taking our rights and freedoms back regardless of who's in power, not waiting for an election, not waiting for a politician to save us. And then something tells me somebody's going to emerge that's going to be the right person for the job. <laughs> okay, so you've made, you're talking about yourself, Chris? I didn't say that. <laughs> I've been because I've been at a couple of your you events. Said that. Other people. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but I right. am having an event in Edmonton on August twentieth, and I'll let everybody know. Right. I'm calling it the A uh, Free Canada event, and it's not a rally. It's not a. It's not a. It's it's a private get together with like-minded Canadians mm -hmm. who have the money, resources, connections, and want to see this end. So when we see these type, because I know a lot of people, I know people that are pro-mask, pro-vaccine, double jab, and yeah. they're very wealthy individuals. They're very powerful individuals. And even though they believe in all of that, they still believe in freedom. So they're 100% right. against the vax pass. And that's where the government oversteps. So this is what's going to happen. I already told you that we're going to get the lockdown in the fall. They're going to blame it on the unvax. We're going to get a thing. So Trudeau's going to Trudeau's going to do his snap election. He's going to make himself a little dictator for the next four years because he figures that's how long they're going to need to finish us off. Then they're going to do the lockdown. They're going to do the vax pass. They're going to try to forcibly inoculate virtually the entire population because that's the only way they can get the vax pass to stay long term. And it's going to be up to us to fight back. At that point, he's going to be the most hated person in the history of Canada, not even in government in general. And that's when we're going to have the basis to for a no contest election against him and we'll have him deposed. And right. I'm going to unveil the plan on August 20th. And not only is it a plan to make sure that we get rid of Trudeau, it's a plan to make sure we get people in power that would never support another lockdown. People that actually had skin in the game, people that actually suffered in this lockdown. Because if you, if you think about it, every single person in every single riding of our government, no matter what party they're for, they're all public sector politicians. Not right. one of them suffered from this lockdown. All of them were immune to the restrictions. All of them kept getting paid. They all even got a raise. They all had job security. Mm -hmm. They could all travel. They could all visit their family. Nothing yeah. happened to them. And that's why every totally. time it was, do we need to vote to extend these lockdowns? They all voted yes, because they're getting more money, more power, yeah. and they're not getting affected. Imagine all of those spots were held by private sector workers that actually had businesses that actually saw their families and friends suffering. You think they would vote to extend the lockdowns or even vote to have lockdowns in the first place? Yeah, absolutely totally. not. Totally. Things like things like term limits and stuff like that would be great because if we have if our politicians kept having to Not cycle only term limits, I have yeah. a lot of ideas for these guys. Yeah. Number one, they have to be able to represent the private sector so they have skin in the game. Number mm -hmm. two, they have to be able to run their riding like a business. If you run a business every year with a deficit, yeah. guess what? You're going broke. So if you run your riding yeah. with a deficit, you're getting replaced. It's that easy. There's not going to be this freaking gravy train. There's not going to be politicians getting like all these public sector politicians are attracted to politics because they know they can use their position to leverage money and power. 
Otherwise, they have no job, no income. Okay, so in the end, in the end, you're talking about a political solution and having people run for office. That's um, eventually, that's eventually, but it's a non-political solution because it's an anti-political party because you're taking out the politicians and you're replacing them with non-politicians, which is what we need. I agree with you. I agree with you. Okay, but how does that differentiate? Like, like Maxine Bernier did work in the private sector for a long time before getting into politics, stuff like that. How does that? How is that different? From from someone like someone like Maxime Bernier for who you're because he's a career of. politician. He's been in politics right. for twenty years. He works with George Soros. His daddy was a politician. Sure. He's the one that like. Come on, guy. Yeah. Give me a break. Hey, no, you're look, gonna look, Mac, you're gonna I just want to hear your thoughts. I just want to hear your thoughts. You're gonna compare Bernier to somebody who's never been in politics, who's her dad never was in politics, somebody who's been in the private sector for the last forty years, running right. a generational company with their family, has like. 50, 100 employees that are depending on them. Come on, can't even no, compare. I completely Politicians agree. Politicians like, have nobody to, nobody to look after but themselves and their families. And they have no, yeah. most of them have no other jobs besides being a politician. Mm-hmm. So they know nothing except lying and saying whatever they have to to get people's yeah. money. Well, you know, it was, yeah, it was it was Plato originally. Plato always talked about how um, the problem with, with politics is that the people who would actually be noble leaders who would who would maintain freedoms and keep those intact are never the people that want to run for power. It's always like the narcissistic people that think they can run all society to get in. Exactly. You think so, I want to yeah. be in power? That's the last thing I want. <laughs> Hey, these people enough. are attracted to that because that's the only yeah. way they can succeed because they don't have skills, they don't have work ethic, they don't, totally. they won't work hard. So they want to be put in a position where they can force others to make them money for them. Yeah. And that's why these people are disgusting. And that's why we have the same problem because everyone gets attracted. Everyone that's in politics right now is there for that reason. But mm-hmm. if we changed it, if we made it so people were in politics, they didn't make that kind of money. They didn't get all this wealth and powerful connections because if anybody took yeah. kickbacks, we actually prosecute them for corruption and right. throw their ass in jail then you'd see the only people getting attracted to politics are people like i've been talking to recently mm-hmm. who hate politics hate politicians run private businesses and are literally trying to get into politics so they can save their businesses yeah. those are the kind of people we yeah. need because those are the people that will save the country and why are and why sure. is our country 37 million people with the most natural resources on planet Earth, why are we not self-sufficient? Why don't we have the highest standard of living and the lowest yeah. cost of living? It's because we do things like in a pandemic year where we're not even allowed to go to work or even visit our family, Trudeau brought in record numbers of refugees and immigrants, over 400,000. Mm-hmm. Why? Because every one of those equals a vote for him. Right. Yeah. Is that kind of like the yeah. kind of thing we should be doing as a nation? Is that going to make us prosperous, bringing in 400,000 people yeah. when we're seeing double-digit drops in our GDP and we're talking about worrying about infections? We're going to bring all these people from other countries? Like, it's yeah. absolutely ridiculous. You don't want and people always going like, anywhere. Yeah. But we can bring refugees from Syria and the Middle East and everywhere else in the world. No problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people always try to frame that as like a racism thing as well, which is just... Oh, yeah, it's, it's totally yeah. racist. Yeah, it's totally racist. Totally. Well, it's totally racist to ask for somebody to come here legally. I don't give a shit what country you came yeah, from. Exactly. If you come here yeah. legally, you're legal. If you came here illegally, you're illegal. Totally. And everybody should come here legally because if you come here illegally, you're not going to respect the country. You're not going to respect the laws because you're not even here legally. It's not but if simple. you get but if you get adopted into our welfare system from the from the political party in power, well, of course you're going to vote for them to keep doing that, right? So of course, yeah, of course. Yeah, so I totally agree with you. They're setting up a perpetual servitude state. That way they can keep themselves in power. You don't think Trudeau's going to win by a landslide in this fucking snap election, even though he's been the worst PM in the Canadian history? Because okay, no I got to ask you that. Why? Why is why why are Canadians so silly that we're going to vote this guy back in again? Why isn't he so vastly unpopular by now that we just kick him to the curb? I don't understand how Canadians could vote this guy back in again. Because Canadians are weak and retarded. They're like the children <laughs> of the world. They literally walk around. Canadians are like kids that never grew up. And the men are put. I will say it again. The Canadian men are put. My wife was in Florida in February pre-vaccine. And you'll see little four-year-old girls all the way up to 100-year-old grandmothers walking around without masks and without fear. But over here in Canada, 95%, especially in Ontario, still, still to this day, (laughs) in August 17th, 95% of our Canadian men won't even get out of their car until they safely secure their face diaper. When you have a society of cucks like that, that's why you have a society where they have mass, mass, like look what we're seeing. We're seeing mass abuse 
on a massive scale. We're seeing people letting them abuse their children. I have parents calling me saying that mm. their kids are coming home crying every day from school because of the mess, yet the parents won't yeah. do a thing about it. They'll call yeah. me and ask me what they should do. Yeah. Even though this kids, the kind of people, yeah. these the are the kind of flu. adults we yeah. have in Canada. Hey y'all. So what are we gonna do? <laughs> because life seems like a weird, crazy nightmare right now. And politics, for sure, are a weird, crazy nightmare. So where do we go for answers? Where do we go for knowledge, wisdom, sanity, a, a way out of this mess we've got ourselves into? What I did is I went to books. I went to the wisdom of our forebears, of our forefathers. So people like Thomas Sowell, like Plato, like Kierkegaard, like Thomas Paine, Alexander Hamilton, Oh, my Lord, Ben Shapiro, if you can forgive me. <laughs> so if you want to arrive at your own conclusions and develop your own your own thoughts, your own opinions, uh, and not be force-fed them, check out the books in my Amazon reading list. The link is in the description. Decide for yourself. Every time you buy one of the books off of that, supports the podcast. Much love. No, I know. And the, the normal flu is more dangerous to kids than, than this dumb COVID thing. But no one was talking about masks before that, right? Exactly. Yeah. Tuberculosis yeah. is airborne and kills 1.5 million people every year. But we never talked about masks for that. Right. Not to mention the fact that the mask doesn't work. And anybody that believes the mask works is an absolute, complete moron. <laughs> like those masks that you're wearing, it says literally on the box does not prevent viral transmission. But people are like, oh, they're just saying that. No, they're saying that because it's true. And if yeah. they said otherwise, they would get sued because that would be <laughs> untrue. You don't think they would tell yeah. you it'll protect from viral treatment? I'm going to put a disclaimer on my product that says it's way shittier than it really is. <laughs> yeah, like, that makes total sense. Makes total, total sense. sense. Yeah, yeah. Then, you realize, then when you realize, why do, they, why do doctors wear these masks? For bacteria contamination. The average person is so stupid they don't even know the difference between a bacteria and a virus here i'm going to tell you people bacteria that you can find in your blood saliva mucus etc are on average 300 times larger than a virus particle meaning you can see the bacteria with your naked eye and under the microscope it'll look like this big like that like almost like the size of a dime and when you try to look at the virus under the microscope, you won't even be able to see it still. That's the difference in size. So you're talking about something like a mosquito versus a tennis ball. And the masks that you're wearing are designed to stop tennis balls, like a chain link fence. <laughs> and the and bacteria are like tennis balls flying at it. And you're wearing it to protect you against mosquitoes. And it gives you about the same protection as a chain link fence will give you from mm -hmm. mosquitoes. And you have all these friggin' morons wearing it. And then on top of that, they say the funny line, I'm not wearing it for me. I'm wearing it for you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Totally. Did I ask you to wear it for me? Yeah. <laughs> no. But yeah. and on top of that, if I choose not to wear it for you, I'm a bad person. Right. So not only do not only are you so high and mighty that you're wearing this diaper on your face like a complete moron, you're doing it for me and you're pretending that you and everybody else around you is sick 24 hours a day, seven yeah. days a week, while pretending that the mask works on top of that. So you're mm -hmm. deluding yourself twice all day long, every day. And then yeah. you're telling me that if I don't do the same delusions as you, that there's something wrong with me. Right. And this is why it's hard to reach yeah. some of these people. No, totally. I've talked a lot about, and I don't want to keep it too long, so feel free to cut me off whenever you want. But um, um, we've talked a lot about virtue signaling on the podcast and um, just people doing things to appear noble or heroic, but like doing like the bare minimum for to like qualify for is, that, right? Virtue signaling is a way for cowards to pretend that they're doing the right thing yeah. when they know in their hearts that they're just <laughs> plain cowardly. Well they said. virtue signal about the mask because they know it's it gives the average Canadian male, the bitch that they are, the easy way out. I'm doing the right thing. I'm wearing the mask. I'm noble. I'm good person. No, you're just a really big bitch and you're making every excuse you can to make yourself feel bad. That's the reality of the situation. Right. Yeah. If we both know you don't want to wear that mask and you get really mad when I don't wear it. Why? Not because I'm not wearing it, because you don't have the balls not to wear it either. Because we're well, because we're free. Yeah. Because we're free. That's the reality. Yeah. Want How do we stay in their cage with them? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how do how did we get here though? How do we have a society full of such weak men especially like we talked i had did an episode about masculinity but 
They've okay. been training males for okay. decades not to be males. Anything masculine is toxic. Mm. I'm labeled yeah. as toxic because I stand up for myself. How dare you talk to a woman like that? Oh, so because it's a woman news anchor doing a hit piece on me or a woman doctor <laughs> doing a hit piece on me, I better just shut my mouth and let them say whatever they want because it's a woman and I'm a man. And this is how men have been trained. Right. That anything yeah. they do to stand up for themselves is wrong. And Canadians have been trained that they have to be the nicest people in the world. Mm -hmm. What does the world, word nice even come from? It's Latin. It comes from naive and ignorant. Mm -hmm. So of course your government wants you to be as naive and ignorant as possible. Because the more naive and ignorant you are, the easier it is for them to take advantage of you. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, once you find out you're such a bitch, you won't do anything about it. That's the best part. So they want you yeah. to be as nice as possible. And they tell you all this propaganda, don't be like Americans. They try to make Americans seem crazy, like hicks, because they don't trust the government, they like guns, and they value freedom. Mm -hmm. Those are the three most important characteristics a society needs to stay free. Yeah. No, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Okay, Chris, I'll give you the I'll give you the floor one last time. Um, I super appreciate you jumping on the Hamlock podcast with me. I appreciate the time today. Um, if you had one thing to say, maybe to men specifically or just Canadians in general, because um, you've been pretty harsh on Canadians so far today. So um, I think I think Canadians, yeah, we're in a dire state, but I think there are a bunch of us waking up. There are a bunch of us, um, you could say, manning up. What a toxically masculine thing to say, right? Um, no, yeah, exactly. Like it's <laughs> be said. Yeah, how do we how do we wake how do we man up? How do we wake up? Uh, who are we relying on for sources? How do we get ourselves out of this situation? Well, like I said, thankfully in the uh, in the last couple months, I've seen a massive shift to the point where I can't walk down the street without people coming up, recognize me, understanding what's going on. When before that kind of attention was relegated to freedom rallies on the internet. So this lets me know that the average person, regardless of their political affiliation, social status, et cetera, is now awake and they're unhappy. And that's why the government's going into such draconian measures because they see the people awake and the people are about to fight back. So they're about to try to do their big push on you to try to get you to roll over, play dead and comply. Because they know if they can get 90% of the population vaccinated, they can really suppress the other 10% of us. If they got the 75% that they got, they say, I don't even believe that. And then these people, a lot of them don't go for their third or don't go for their fourth because they finally wake them up. Surprise, if you have 30% of the population not jabbed plus the children, that's almost half of Canada. What are you gonna do? Put a vax pass for so half the people can't go to the store? How is that gonna work? It won't. But if they can get 90% of Canadians to comply, they will subjugate the last 10%. They will try to put us into camps. They will do every bad thing that they have planned and the only way to stop them is to stand up for yourself just say no and i show everybody how to do that if people want to read my book they should because it's actually really damn good and you can get it on my website <laughs> realchrissky.com realchrissky.com why am i telling you about the website because i'm also launching my own social media platform which is going to be integrated into realchrissky.com it's amazing yeah because it's gonna have all the exact same functionality as Facebook, but we're removing Mark Zuckerberg and replacing him with me. <laughs> all right, all right. There's gonna be no censorship, no fact checkers, no bullshit. Mm. And there's already tens of thousands of members on realchrissky.com. So those people are gonna be able to automatically create their own profile. So there's gonna be a bunch of users on there literally overnight. And then I have some partners that are gonna help promote this online and through their advertising network that I can guarantee we'll have millions and millions of people on this network in weeks. And it's going to be an actual free speech platform that can rival these big tech companies and give people like me a home. Cause I getting kicked off. They even kicked off me TikTok yesterday. I've had it for three weeks. I saw 30,000 yeah. followers in three weeks. Then they closed it yesterday. I have right. no idea why I didn't even post anything on it in right. over 24 hours. My Instagram with 250,000 people was killed. Even my website, realchrissky.com. They killed it after 45 minutes. I had a web team approach me after that and they know a lot. They're like, these are like the best guys in the world. And they did it out of the yeah. goodness of their hearts. They rebuilt it. They have it on a special server where I don't even know where it is. So if they capture <laughs> me and torture me, I can't even tell them. And they have literal teams trying to take my website down every day because we have it accessed by over 165 countries around the world. So Right. The word is getting out. We're worldwide. And I want everybody to tune in August 20th, Edmonton. It's going to be late at night because we're going to be on Edmonton time and the party starts at eight. It's going to be crazy. It's an, it's an online event. event. Yeah. It, it's an, it's an in-person event. Okay. We're having a massive uh, party at this 
warehouse is done up like a five-star club. There's going to be food. There's going to be a car show. It's going to be very, very nicely done. And I'm going to be talking there to everybody there. And I'm going to go live when I do the talk because I want everyone in Canada that has the wealth, resources, and connections and wants to see this end. I want them to hear what I have to say. I want their support. And mm. there's going to be some people auditioning for some roles. <laughs> it's called, and it's called, uh, I'm calling it a free Canada. Cool. Love it. So August 20th, keep an eye out for that. Um, Chris Guy, I like a lot of what you say. I appreciate you taking the time today, brother. And I hope to have you back soon. Yeah. Anytime, bro. Hey, take care, Chris. Have an excellent one. Peace. Thanks for coming in. Okay, everybody. That was Chris Sky. That was a, a lot of fun. Uh, like I said, I like a lot of what he has to say. Um, there's some stuff I disagree with, but again, that's that's what happens in a, in a country that has free speech. And so like he says, um, a lot of the censorship stuff that's going on right now. Here's the thing is if he was, could people make him out to be sometime, um, sometimes, especially in the, the like legacy news, uh, to be like a conspiracy theorist or whatever. Um, if he was that crazy, if he was that much of a conspiracy theorist, he's that out there, uh, why bother taking down his Instagram and deleting his TikTok and stuff? Why bother taking that stuff down if he's so crazy people are just going to dismiss him, right? Um, often that's the thing is if someone is actually out to lunch and someone's actually loopy, uh, <laughs> they wouldn't care so much about not having them say their piece because just letting them say their piece would prove that they're totally out to lunch uh, and not worth listening to. Um, so I appreciate, I kind of have like a Dave Rubin uh, style of interviewing that I'm kind of developing. This is only my second major interview here, but uh, I like just asking questions and letting people talk, right? Um, people give Dave Rubin flack all the time for not like pressing people he's interviewing as much. Um, but I kind of lean that way myself where I just want to hear them talk. I want to hear their ideas and let you guys be the judge. I'm not here um, as the person interviewing them to judge what they're saying or to give them a hard time or be super combative. I know that gets the clicks, so maybe it'll take us longer to grow and that's why I ask you to share all the time. It's the biggest thing you can do, share the podcast. Um, but I really do believe in just letting people talk. If you are in the right, the truth will come out. And if you're not, people will people will discern that, right? People should be able to discern for themselves. We should have a robust discussion in the public marketplace of ideas and so i super appreciate chris jumping on and uh and talking about how he thinks and where he thinks canada is going and how do we toughen up as a society right we talked about that on the masculinity podcast right where strong men create good times good times create weak men weak men create bad times bad times create strong men um so we've been in that weak men part of the cycle for a long time I think right and uh, hopefully we can just give the bad times part a miss that it's gotten bad enough now that we just have strong men um, rise up that are willing to strong people right I don't say that to be exclusive or whatever um, but we've been in that like weak man phase of that cycle for a long time I think um, and I can say that myself as someone who, who probably was a weak man in the sense that I wasn't willing to stick my neck out and, and talk about what I actually believed I just kind of went along with the PC crowd and just further just fell into that nice Canadian stereotype that Chris was talking about. But I think right now as you've had enough of a scare, hopefully we can keep this, just give the bad times a bit of miss, right? Hopefully the bad times have gotten worse enough now that you have strong people rising up and taking their liberties back, right? Um, movements like what Chris is a part of uh, is a huge part of that, seizing individual liberty. I, th I think his United Noncompliance thing is a great idea. When we together just decide that, no, you're the government doesn't give us our rights our great our rights are given to us by god um and government only exists to enforce those rights right not to give us those rights but to make sure we have right the pursuit of liberty the pursuit of happiness right life liberty and the pursuit of happiness like in the declaration of independence um that's what government exists to do and when they cease to do that we absolutely should rise up and seize our liberties back um, and so I think that's that's Chris's heart. I think uh, you heard a lot of that from himself today. I'm curious to see where he goes and what his solutions are because you heard me pressing him on um, how do we do this without being political? We live in a system where political power, politics are reality, and our political system is reality. So outside of just overthrowing the government violently uh, and starting again, which I don't think works, you look at the Russian Revolution, even the French Revolution had a lot of problems with the people that took over, right? Um, how do you do that? existing within a political system, how do you do it nonviolently? 
how do we get people in politics like he was saying that are from the private sector that private sector that are um, businessmen can you have people cycling in and out of the private and public sectors um, so that you don't have these career politicians that are just there forever and just part of the swamp right um, I think that a lot of that is what Chris is touching on and I, I, I love a lot of what he says about it so again super appreciate you having him on and share this episode like crazy and ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for listening much love thanks for joining us on the Hemlock Podcast and have a great day cheers thank you so much everybody for listening to this week's Hemlock Podcast don't forget to subscribe and share it with your friends and family tell them to subscribe because if you loved it then they're gonna love it too obviously also head on over to iTunes to leave us a five star rating and review that helps us a lot with the charts and if you're not gonna leave us five stars then forget about it don't worry about it and enjoy the rest of your day lastly head on over to the hemlockpodcast.locals.com to become a supporter and receive access to exclusive content and ad-free versions of the hemlock podcast love you so much for listening let's continue to ride out this increasingly insane world with irreverence and joy this is your host patrick jolliker and much love y'all peace